is the Stay at Home Mom Yarai podcast. You are about to listen to my mom. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you like it, please give it five stars. Thank you. everyone and welcome to the stay-at-home mom yeah right podcast i'm sarah smith your host and i'm thrilled to be joined by dr jarita higgins she is a board certified family physician foodie author and artist welcome to my podcast dr jarita how are you today thank you i'm doing well um what has this past two years in the pandemic been like for you and your family It's been really interesting. So initially I was at home for like a month and a half because I was working part time um, at a medical center and they kind of furloughed everybody because they weren't sure it was going to happen. So they kind of stopped having patients come in and started having to do telemedicine. So they didn't need me. So I was safe at home for like a month and a half. But then I was like, you know what, I kind of need to get a job. So I ended up getting a job at an urgent care near my house. And that was a mind blowing. So many patients coming in, getting tested for COVID and having COVID. It it was incredible. I was really scared in the beginning. Oh, I bet. Especially without the vaccinations. Yeah. Out yet. I bet it was a very scary time. Did they start you out like wearing masks and everything or how was that? We started out wearing masks and the whole face covering, face shield, um, plastic gowns, gloves, all the rest. I don't do all of that now, interestingly enough. I, now that we know more about it and I'm fully vaccinated and boosted and all of that, I don't put on all of that necessarily. Depends on what I'm doing and if the patient's actively coughing. I still wear my N95 mask. I still wear goggles in case somebody's coughing, like when I go to listen to their lungs so they don't cough into my eyeballs. But I don't put on a whole space like I did in the beginning. <laughs> Right. No, I bet it's been a very stressful time for you. Thank you for everything that you're doing. I, it's You're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. What led you to your career? Um, initially, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a veterinarian. Um, <laughs> I just found, um, science and body workings, whether animal or human, pretty interesting. Um, and then my aunt gave me a book by Ben Carson called Think Big. This yeah. is back when he was, a uh, before he retired, he was a pediatric neurosurgeon. And that's what really maybe changed my mind from going to wanting to be a veterinarian to being a doctor. And that was probably when I was about 12. Yeah. Um, can you talk about how you became a foodie? Oh, my mother is the best cook on the planet. (laughs) And she cooks nonstop. Even when she was working, she would cook like the entire weekend long. And I couldn't understand what she was doing then. But now I know what she was doing. It basically was meal prep. Yeah. She was cooking two different things so we could heat them up later in the week when she was actually working. So I really started prepping food and stuff with my mom. And then when I got out on my own, my mom really wanted me to study. She didn't want me to necessarily be in the kitchen with her. She'd rather me be in the books. So I didn't learn as much as I probably wanted to learn from her in the kitchen. So when I got out on my own, 
I was kind of teaching myself some things by watching cooking shows and reading cookbooks. And that's when I would say that I became a foodie, starting to try different things and trying to cook things that I had never had. Right. Um, what's your favorite thing to make? Uh, I should say, too. <laughs> I have a particular favorite thing to make. I like to um, kind of alter other people's recipes. So like to see if I can change them and make them a little bit healthier. And sometimes it doesn't turn out like, especially with baking stuff. Like if I'm trying to make biscuits with gluten-free flour, that does not work. They come out hard. <laughs> yeah, come out right. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that baking is a little bit harder. So favorite things to make are things that I can kind of make up the ingredients to and alter the recipe, like a stir fry, something that's easy. And you right. can kind of change it as you will. Um. Can you talk about how we can use food as medicine to optimize our health? So most um, health conditions have certain things that make them worse and certain things that make them better, like uh, blood pressure, for example. You can make your blood pressure worse depending on how much salt or sodium you take in or how much caffeine you take in or how much um, fatty or heavy meats you take in. But in the reverse, you can improve your blood pressure by eating a lot of uh, fresh fruits and vegetables because fresh fruits and vegetables can um, kind of act like a medicine or a diuretic in a way and push the extra salt and water out of your body. Um, and then, of course, you have things like, um, let's say, allergies. You can start desensitizing yourself um, towards certain allergies. Like, let's say you have pollen allergies you can get local honey and start to eat that. And you can get um, like pollen, there's these little pollen beads that you can dissolve in um, in tea to help you. But it has to be like within a certain mile radius around your house. It can't be uh-huh. from the other side of the country. It needs to be pollen from near where you live huh. or honey, local honey from near where you live. So things like that are interesting to me. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, why do people choose not to use food as medicine? Um, I think a lot of people don't know what they should use and they've kind of gotten used to taking a pill for everything. So there's a kind of a delicate balance. Like I'm not going to let you do things to the detriment of yourself. Like if your blood pressure is 5 million over a million, we can't <laughs> do only diet. Like you have to get a pill so you don't have a stroke. But at the same time, let's do these diet changes. But if your blood pressure is on the borderline or is getting close to high blood pressure, it's just barely over the edge, I might give you a month or so to let's try these diet-related things and exercise and see if it'll come down. Hmm. So if someone is on like the borderline and they are taking medication, if they, if they for instance, start juicing, um, and their blood pressure comes down, would you take them off the medicine? Like, how do you know if it's time to take someone off the medicine? So I think that if you want to come off of your medicine, you should have a discussion with your doctor. They don't trick your doctor. Don't stop taking it. Like, I'm going to stop taking it and then go back and see if they could tell. Like, <laughs> don't do that. Like, <laughs> come up with a plan with your doctor, especially with blood pressure, because blood pressure is kind of sneaky and it can shoot up and you don't know that it's up. You don't really feel anything. Um, what I like to do with patients 
let's say their blood pressure is getting lower because of some lifestyle change they're making or whatever it is that they're eating. Like, okay, but instead of just getting off of it, let's cut it in half. And then let's monitor it over this month and see what happens. And if it doesn't shoot up, then we can get rid of it. What, if any, with inflation are cheap ways to um, for people to buy food, like cheap but healthy food, I should say? So I think farmers markets um, are a great thing. Like I was in shock. Like the first time I went to, it's like an Amish market near my house. And I went to the Amish market and I got all of this stuff from the produce area. And I thought he said $60. He was like $16. Like, really? For all of this? (laughs) (laughs) You gotta be kidding me. I couldn't believe it. So a lot of farmers markets have, um, have cheaper prices. And then, um, you can really get um, not fresh stuff, but frozen stuff from like the dollar store, like frozen green beans and things, things uh, frozen corn, frozen vegetables. Um, don't want to do canned stuff because that's going to be packed with sodium, even if it doesn't taste salty. But you can even get you can get the frozen stuff even from the dollar store, and that would be pretty cheap. Yeah, I've been going to Costco lately a lot to buy. Uh, frozen fruit in bulk so that yeah I was gonna say you could buy stuff in bulk and then share with other people my mother is the queen of that she buys like (laughs) 50 million pounds of stuff like do you have room in your freezer like mom you gotta tell me before you buy all this stuff she's just trying to find people to split the bulk stuff with what do you suggest for busy parents to make for their children to stay healthy like so for, for busy parents I want to say that the best thing is probably to prepare your freezer and your pantry beforehand and just kind of have some stuff that you can grab and make if you didn't plan anything. Like there's a um, pizza crust that's made out of cauliflower. I can't remember the brand name, but it's like a cauliflower pizza crust that's frozen. And I like to keep those in the freezer and you can keep like a jar of pizza sauce in the thing. And then whatever your toppings are, they don't necessarily go bad and you can make pizza at the drop of a hat. Um, there's some 90 second microwave rice. There's a brown rice. I think it's Uncle Ben's or something. It's like 90 seconds. So if you didn't cook rice, you don't have to sit there and boil anything. Like literally you tear the bag open and hit 90 seconds and the rice is cooked. And then you can keep some stir fried vegetables in the freezer and make that and you're good to go. Yeah. That's a great idea. Um, now, do you meal prep? I do, depending on um, what's going on in the week. If I know my week is going to be super busy and I'm not going to have time to cook, then I kind of have to do it or I'm going to end up eating fast food. If my week is a little bit lighter, then I might just cook as I go. Yeah. What would be some meal prep ideas? So one of the things that I like to do, um, if you kind of buy the vegetables that are going to go into your meal, um, you can kind of cut those up and put them in a, a zipper free a zipper freezer bag and label them for whatever the meal is. Like, let's say I'm going to make curry chicken. Then I'm going to cut up the onions and the peppers and the potatoes and even take a sprig of thyme and put it in there and label that. That's the curry chicken bag. And then you can go and cut up all your vegetables for your taco. You can do all of this on one day when you have more time. 
um, and cut up all the stuff for tacos, peppers, onions, um, cilantro, whatever, put that in a bag and label that taco bag and freeze it and right. just bring it out later on. And then all you need to do is add meat if you eat meat or add beans if you don't eat meat and there's your meal. That sounds so easy. Yeah. <laughs> it's just time consuming, right? Yeah. Because you don't necessarily have time to be chopping vegetables on a day that you have a million other things to do. Right. Try to do it on a day where it's light. Sounds like Sunday's the day. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, what food should people try and have a limited amount of? So sugar is a big culprit. <laughs> what what I would do if I was a parent is try to get kids used to the taste of like natural sugars, like the taste of sugar that you're going to get from fruit or honey and try to um, eliminate most of the white sugars. I'm not saying that you can't have sugar for a treat. Like, of course, you're going to have some cookies sometimes. Um, but as far as like sugary drinks like soda and Kool-Aid and stuff like that, I would try to get kids used to like actual fruit juice, like a smoothie or water that has like fruit sitting in it to kind of give it a flavor and let them get used to the taste of that instead of the artificial sugars and fruit juices that have sugar added. And you really got to look at the labels if you're going to buy pre-made juice and look at the back of it um, and see what the ingredients say. If it says water and fruit, you're good. But a lot of times they'll say like high fructose corn syrup or some other name for sugar. And you really want to try to get off of those. So those lead to like obesity and overweight in kids and everybody really. February is Heart Health Month. What daily changes can we make to keep our heart healthy? Definitely exercise. <laughs> and exercise doesn't have to be running. Exercise can be something else that's fun that you like doing, like dancing or roller skating or yoga or one of those dance video games. And the recommendation for um, adults is 150 minutes of exercise per week if it's moderate and 75 minutes of exercise per week if it's like a strenuous activity. And you can break that up any way that you want. You can do 50 minutes three days a week or you can do 30 minutes five days a week. Uh, whenever you can get it in, you can break that up however you want. Mm -hmm. So people just need to keep moving. <laughs> yeah. Um, what are healthy blood pressure levels? So different for kids and adults, um, no child's blood pressure should be over above 120 over 80. <laughs> and then um, adults, depends on what your medical conditions are. If you um, are over 55, then your blood pressure just needs to be less than 140 over 90 because we found out that older people start getting dizzy if you start trying to get their blood pressure crazy low. It just made them feel weird and didn't do a whole bunch to prevent heart disease unless they have um, other conditions like kidney disease or diabetes. Then we've got to be a little bit more aggressive and get them less than 130 over 80. Yeah. So for most people, we want to get as close to 120 over 80 as possible we allow you to get 
up to 130 over 90. That's considered pre-hypertension between the 120 over 80 and the 130 over 90. So like if you see that your blood pressure is in there, it's like time to start getting on your diet and exercise to get it to come down. Now, are you seeing more and more patients who are having um, heart disease or hypertension? Um, hypertension is, is very prevalent. And then stress from the pandemic or from jobs or family issues is definitely going to add on to that. Um, so the other part of blood pressure control is stress relief. So anything that you can do for that, whether it's meditation, prayer, religious services, but then time with people who you love, who don't stress you out. The only the ones that don't, <laughs> only the ones that don't stress you out. Um, so stress relief is big. Um, cutting back on salt is big. Yeah. And try to look for things that have hidden salt, like certain seasonings and pre-made foods. Basically anything that's boxed or bagged probably is going to have some salt in it, even if it's not a salty thing like cakes, cookies, and pies that are pre-made can have salt in them. So you really want to try to make as much as you can um, at home and check the labels if you've got to have something pre-made. And pretty much a general rule is try not to get anything that has more than 450 milligrams of sodium in it per serving. Like I looked at some frozen dinner just to see what it was. It's like some kind of pot pie or something. And it had like 1,100 milligrams of sodium. Like, oh, I can't eat that. I don't have a stroke. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> Put that right back. <laughs> now, with very limited time at doctor's appointments, how can, um, what do you suggest for women to prepare? How do you suggest for women to prepare for their appointments? Like, what kind of so, questions should we be asking? I think it's it's important to write down all of your concerns before your appointment so that you don't get in the midst of the appointment, forget what you want to say and get out like, oh, I didn't ask them, such and such. <laughs> and then I think you should tell your doctor up front, like these are the things that I'm concerned about today. I think people get nervous sometimes and they kind of leak in little bits at a time. Like, bring out everything. Is that little paper for me? Let me see it. <laughs> Tell me everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, how often should women go for their checkups? So it depends on um, what you mean by checkup. So if we're talking a uh, physical once a year, if you have high blood pressure or diabetes, depending on what the level of control is, whether your blood pressure and your blood sugar are good or not, probably every three to six months. Um, if we're talking mammograms, supposedly <laughs> every two years, but you can get a mammogram every year. Yeah. I would if I was a black woman because black women um, get more aggressive types of breast cancer. And it's usually uh, kind of far gone when our breast cancer is found. So I would get it every year if I was you. Um, pap smears every um Three years, if you're between the ages of 21 and 30, and then from 30 to 65, it's every five years. But that also depends on whether your previous ones were normal. Like the screen is going to get more aggressive, um, depending on that. And the reason why that was changed from doing it every year is because research was done to find out that the virus that causes cervical cancer, HPV, most of the time, younger women's body can clear that. 
And it's also a slow growing cancer. So if your thing was normal last year, it's not likely to suddenly turn abnormal in the span of a year. So that's why those recommendations would change. But you got to talk to your doctor about that and what your screening schedule is on. Because if you had um, a test of pap smear that wasn't normal, then they may be following up on you more frequently than the um, new ACOG recommendations. I have some friends who are nervous to get their mammograms. Um, I've been getting them since I was in my 20s. I'm considered high risk. Um, is there anything that you could say to my listeners to encourage them to go get their mammograms? It's fine. So it's uncomfortable. I wouldn't say it hurts. I would just be like, wow, you're really squeezing me. <laughs> but I think it's better to do that and go through a few minutes of discomfort than to find out that you had a missed cancer and you regret not getting that mammogram. A uh, hindsight is twenty twenty. You don't want to let, let the horse get out of the barn. Just go ahead and do it. <laughs> Make a day of it. Plan to treat yourself afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you um, um, often get questions about that you think are important for my listeners to know? Um. I think that if you have a doctor who you don't feel comfortable sharing private or personal information with, or you feel like they're not listening to you or taking time with you, I think you should find a new doctor that you have a better rapport with because that could be dangerous. It can be life-threatening. Something could be missed if you're not vibing with the person and you don't feel like they're listening to you. So I think that's really important. Try to get recommendations from friends and family to find a doctor that you can work well with and really partner with in your health and not feel like you're asking them for something or begging them for something or wasting your time. It shouldn't be like that. It should be a friendship, a partnership, something that you work on together. Amen to that. Where can people find you? Um, so people can find me on social media um, at Dr. Jarita. So doctor spelled out D-O-C-T-O-R. And my name, J-A-R-I-T-A, is all one word. So I'm at Dr. Dorito on all social media. And then people can look at my website for my practice. It's designfamilypractice.com. Wonderful. Oh, one more question. What do you do for self-care? You're a busy doctor um, who's going through the pandemic right now, treating patients. What do you do for self-care? I like to walk. I'm a nature person. So it just makes me feel better to be outside where there's trees or water or, or something like that, birds chirping. Um, I love reading. I love taking naps. People who take naps live longer, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Jarita, for taking your time out today. I really appreciate you. Thank you for having me. You have just listened to the Stay at Home Mom Yeah Right podcast with my mom. I hope you enjoy listening don't forget to subscribe and if you liked it please give it five stars thank you